Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Friday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. We left off on Wednesday with the Council at Jerusalem and the really important decision that Gentiles were welcome in the church and they did not need to observe the Mosaic Law, which included circumcision and all the dietary restrictions. That is a major decision in AD 50 at the Council of Jerusalem because it opened the floodgates for Gentiles. Imagine if they decided otherwise. that Yes, you must observe the Mosaic Law. After my talk, file up front and be circumcised. Well, the church would have remained a very minor sect within Judaism. But with this decision at the Council of Jerusalem, it opened the floodgates and Gentiles poured into the church. In the first generation of the church, after Pentecost, AD 32, up until 50 and onward even after that, the majority of people in the church were Jews. But once the decisions made to open the floodgates, to remove the restrictions, by the end of the first century, the vast majority of believers in the church will be Gentiles. That decision in AD 50 opened the doors for Christianity to become a world religion rather than simply a minor sect within Jerusalem and within Judaism. Now, back we go. Sometime later, after the Jerusalem Council, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, it's been a while, two years, AD 50 was the council, and uh, the last missionary journey ended in 48. So let's, let's go back and see how they're doing. And Barnabas said, I think that's a fine idea, Paul. Let's take Mark with us too. Huh. Paul looked at Barnabas and said, absolutely not. No. Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Now get that. Mark is a relative of Barnabas. At this point, AD 50, Paul is about 50, Barnabas perhaps in his early 60s, Mark is in his 20s. On that first missionary journey, oh, it was a great adventure for Mark. But Mark came from Jerusalem. Mark was the son of Mary, in whose home the Last Supper took place. In whose home? When they're in the upper room hiding after Pentecost. I think that's the very same room. They all knew where to go. When Peter breaks out of jail, he goes to the room where Mary and the others are gathered. Mark. He had never been out in the big wide world. And something happened on that first missionary journey halfway through at Perga. And he cut and ran. I think when they when Barnabas and Paul and they woke up in the morning and Mark's bed was empty. Where's Mark? And they found a note on the pillow. 
I've gone home to Jerusalem to Mama. Oh, Paul said, no, we are not taking that young man. He, he, we cannot count on him. When trouble comes, he'll cut. And good thing he wasn't with us in Lystra. He would have ran away. And we're not taking him, period. End of story. Well, in chapter 15, verse 39, Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. They parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, retracing the first missionary journey. Paul chose Silas from Jerusalem, who's now at the church in Antioch, and left, commended by the brothers, to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So Paul took Silas and went in the exact opposite direction. He started where the first missionary journey left off and retraced it in the opposite direction. And I bet he said to Barnabas, and I don't want to meet you on the road either. They have a huge falling out. And the fact is, we will never hear of Barnabas ever again after this. They never saw each other again, as far as I know. Paul. Paul's a tough character. You know, I, I mentioned in other podcasts that uh, I think Paul would be a hard fellow to work with. Very opinionated, very sure of what he believed. And he did not suffer fools gladly. But Barnabas, he's the one who went to Paul, Saul uh, when no one trusted him who discerned that Saul's conversion was genuine, brought him to the apostles. He's the one who went from Antalya to Tarsus to look him up and brought him back to, to Antalya, where, uh, to uh, Antioch, where Paul becomes a teacher there. They have a serious falling out. But off they go. Paul and Silas went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. He came to Derby, That was the end point of the first missionary journey. And then to Lystra. That was right next door. That's where Paul had been stoned. Where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. So they get to Lystra. And as we were reading about the first missionary journey, how many people became believers in Lystra? Who were not told. The only thing happens in Lystra, I'd I'd give it a a D minus. They get to Lystra, stir up trouble, they stone Paul and finally have to get out of town. But there were a few believers. The mother and grandmother of Timothy were believers. And Timothy had become a believer. But his mother was a Jew and his father was a Gentile, a Greek. And I'll bet when Paul and Silas got to Lystra, they went and visited Timothy's grandmother and mother, Lois and Eunice are their names. And perhaps had dinner with them. And they talked. Well, tell us about everything that happened after you left here. Oh, we we thought you were dead for sure. We heard all about the stoning. And Paul tells the tale, and Silas talks about the Council of Jerusalem. And Timothy's listening all the while. 
Timothy. Timothy thought, you know, I'd like to do this. I'd like to travel with these guys. So maybe he brought it up. Maybe he said, Paul, you'll be leaving here and heading west. I'm, I, I became a believer through my mother and grandmother, and I, I think I'm called to evangelize like you. You're, you're going out to the Gentiles, and I'm a Gentile. I, I, I know something about this. And Timothy, at this point, is about half Paul's age, I suspect. Maybe in his early to mid-twenties. Later, Paul will think of Timothy as his son. Timothy will stay with Paul right to the bitter end, A.D. 68. Timothy becomes a trusted companion of Paul, one like a son. And Paul said, let me think about that. So he, he was going to check him out. He didn't want another mark on his hands. So the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul asked about him. And Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him. He circumcised him? I thought at the Council of Jerusalem, you didn't have to do that. Why would Paul circumcise Timothy? Because of the Jews who lived in that area. They all knew his father was a Greek. When a Jewish baby is born, a boy, eight days later, he's circumcised. As I said before, circumcision is to a Jew what baptism is to a Christian. It incorporates the person into the covenant community. But Timothy's father was a Greek. And after that little boy was born, he held his son. He was just delighted with his son. And his mother said, oh, Oh, I, oh, I can't wait. In, in, in seven more days, we'll have, we'll have his bris. His what? His bris. What's that? Well, that's when he's circumcised. You're going to cut off what? Not, on my, my, not from my boy. Absolutely not. Timothy's father would not allow him to be circumcised. And that was scandalous in Lystra. Because everybody knew his mother was a Jew. He was born of a Jewish mother, hence he's a Jew, but he's not circumcised. Oh, that, that was a scandal in Lystra. So how could Timothy travel with Paul and Silas and be effective as a Gentile in the synagogue as an uncircumcised Jew? So Paul's not doing this for religious reasons, but for practical reasons. He circumcised Timothy. And as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So think of the irony of that. They move on to the very next town. They go to the synagogue, as was Paul's custom. He's been given the platform to speak, and he speaks about Christ about giving your life to Christ, about becoming a believer in the, in the Messiah. And uh, all the while saying, you, the Gentiles here among us, you are more than welcome and you do not need to observe the Mosaic law. There are no restrictions on this. 
All the while, Timothy's sitting on the platform with his legs crossed in pain. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Well, the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew in number every day. So Paul and his companions traveled all throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. So they continue moving west, having been kept from the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So I think Paul and Silas had in mind to begin moving north, deeper into Galatian territory. But to do that, they had to cross over big, rugged mountains. Now, we've been to Turkey, oh, 20 or 30 times on teaching tours. And we've traveled this very same route, the very same route that Paul, Silas, and Timothy are traveling. And if you want to get up into Galatia, further north, over the mountains, they are big, snowy mountains. Hard, hard travel. Why, I remember once in January going to Turkey in the footsteps of Paul, and I had a group of maybe 50 students, and we left and we were going over the mountains into the northern regions of Galatia. And we had a snowstorm. Oh, it snowed so hard you, you couldn't even see the front of the bus. It was like driving through a white tunnel. And finally, the bus driver had to pull over and put chains on the bus. Well, that takes a while. Try putting chains on a bus loaded with 50 people and baggage. But we got, we got it done. The assistant on the bus helped and they got the chains on. And we all stood out by the road and we built a snowman. A snowman on the road into Galatia. It was so much fun. And then we had a snowball fight and we made snow angels on the ground. We had a grand old time. But these are big, rugged mountains. And when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia. But again, Holy Spirit's pushing them eastward. They went down to Troas. Troas, on the west coast of Asia Minor, not far from the archaeological site of ancient Troy. Do we know anyone from Troas? Yes, we do. Luke. Luke the physician. Dr. Luke. St. Luke. Author of the Gospel according to Luke and the Acts of the Apostles that we're working through right now. He lived in Troas. So why did Paul go there? Well, we learn later on that on this second missionary journey, Paul became ill and he needed medical care. And I suspect at Lystra, they said, well, there's very good medical care up north in the northern portions of Galatia. Now, if you can get him there, you might be able to get the medical help. So they try, but I suppose maybe there was a big snowstorm in the mountains. They got pushed eastward and they end up in Troas. What was Paul's illness? He mentions elsewhere, a thorn in the flesh that kept him from being proud. What would that thorn in the flesh be? Well, there are people who have debated that for ages. 
but I think it was his eyesight. Remember, he was blinded on the road to Damascus. A light so intense, so instantaneous in a nanosecond that it literally damaged his eyes. Well, he regains his sight after a few year, after a few days, but I don't think it was ever quite what it used to be. In fact, in Paul's letters and epistles, Paul doesn't write his letters and epistles. He dictates them to his secretary. Romans, Paul's magnum opus. Romans, Paul dictated it to his secretary, Tertius. Because at the end of Romans, chapter 16, Paul says, by the way, say hello to all these people I know in Rome. And right there in the middle, parenthetically, we read, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, that's Paul's secretary, say hello to. So typically, that's how Paul would work. He would either draft a letter, more likely dictate it, have it read to him, make any revisions that need to be made, get the final copy, and Paul would often then add in his own handwriting at the very end, I, Paul, who, I, Paul, who wrote this letter, say hello to. And sometimes he'll say, I, Paul, wrote this in my own hand. See what big letters I use. Well, why would he use big letters? Writing material is expensive. Unless he really couldn't see that well. Now imagine Paul traveling all throughout Asia Minor and a good chunk of Southern Europe, places he's never been, traveling like Mr. Magoo, Every, everything's blurred. Paul always traveled with an entourage. Why? I think he needed the help. So I suspect, my suspicion is, that Paul became ill. He had eye trouble. Perhaps his eyes became infected. Uh, he ran a high fever. He was having a hard time. And Silas and Timothy thought, we can't get him over those mountains. So they move eastward, and they end up in Troas, where they meet Dr. Luke. And it seems from that point on, Paul's medical problem is resolved. Luke will travel with the band from A.D. 50 until A.D. 68. Paul will write from the Mamertine prison in Rome on death row, and 2 Timothy, and he'll say, only Luke is with me. So Luke travels with Paul for 18 years as his personal physician, as his traveling companion, and as his biographer. Luke is to Paul what Boswell was to Samuel Johnson. That's Paul's thorn in the, uh, thorn in the flesh, I think, his eyesight. Well, here they are. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia. So we're in Troas now. And uh, imagine Paul, Silas, Timothy, and now Luke are having dinner. And they're having dinner right on the harbor, a nice restaurant looking out on the water. And uh, Timothy said to Paul, so where are we going now, Paul? Because they weren't planning to be on the west coast of Asia Minor. They are planning to be 
in the northern Galatian territory. Where are we going? Paul said, I don't know. Oh, great. <laughs> so they finish dinner. They go to bed that night, wake up in the morning. They're having breakfast. Any idea where we're going, Paul? Yep, Macedonia. Macedonia? During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, that is, northern Greece, the entry point onto the continent of Europe, standing and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Well, after Paul had had this vision, we got ready and we left for Macedonia, concluding that God had indeed called us to preach the gospel in Europe. This is a thrilling story. Oh, I can't wait to tell you the tale. From Troas, they put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. The next day on to Neapolis, right on the continent of Europe, where Paul and company step off that ship onto Europe. The very first time. And from there, they traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city in that district of Macedonia, and stayed there several days. Well, something very important is going to happen in Macedonia. And I'll tell you about that on Monday's podcast. Thanks, folks. I love being here with you. Keep listening. And if you've not signed up for the really in-depth study of St. Paul, the featured course on LogosBibleStudy.com, we're going to work through Acts in great detail. And then we're going to study in-depth every one of Paul's 13 letters and epistles in depth. So sign up. It'll be a great time. And we have our weekly Zoom meetings as well, where we can get to see each other, ask questions, discuss things. It'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Adapt, improvise, overcome. We're not going to let COVID defeat us. On we go. Bye-bye now. Blessings to you.